What's up, football fans? It's Stick to Football, episode 27. I'm Matt Miller, uh, the lead NFL draft writer for Bleacher Report, joined, as always, by my man, Connor Rogers from New York. What's going on, Connor? I'm feeling good, Matt. Feeling good. Another wild weekend across both the NFL and college football, so we obviously have a lot to talk about. I can't believe it's already episode 27, though. It feels kind of crazy. And I can't believe it's already October, which means, I mean, college football is halfway over. We had mid-season All-Americans come out. It's crazy because like, we wait all summer for college football to get here, and then it, it kind of goes by in a blink of an eye. And one thing, you know, because we are such an NFL draft, I mean, we are an NFL draft podcast that, that dabbles in a little bit of everything else, but a familiar statement here as the NFL moves on to week six is that the Cleveland Browns would once again have the first pick in the draft if the draft were today, thanks to that winless uh, record right now and strength the schedule. I put out a new mock draft on Monday of this week. You could get it in the Bleacher Report app, which is free. Just subscribe to that NFL draft channel. You could check out the mock draft, but it, it's it's crazy. And we we ranted hard about the Browns last week. We are going to introduce a new segment this week called fixing, basically fixing your team. This week, we're going to do the 49ers. We will do the Browns probably next week because of their record. But uh, I want to shout out time to we need a lot of time to plan for them. That's why we're not doing them first. Yeah, well, they've had a lot of time to plan. I can't get it right. So just imagine the pressure on us. But hey, we have a great listener, uh, John Colosimo, who sent me two emails with stats like breakdowns about the Browns drafts. Like he went to bat for Sashi and those guys like I wouldn't say like defended them, but I, he definitely gave me a lot to think about, so I'm excited next week to jump into that and talk about the Browns. But, man, we have a lot of stuff just in the NFL that kind of affects our world as draft guys, and I think that starts with the Monday night game, Mitch Trubisky's debut, the number two pick in the draft, Bears traded up to get him, and I'm interested to hear how you thought he he played. I went, I did radio and at like a Buffalo Wild Wings and ended up just staying there and watching the game. And I purposefully stayed off Twitter because I didn't want the like instant reactions. You know, I didn't want the, you know, the haters being like, oh, he sucked. I didn't want the people who liked him making excuses for him. So I all I did was watch the game. I didn't look at anyone else's analysis. I want to know what you thought. Yeah, I did the same thing. Actually, I sent one tweet on the first drive and said he looks good on the opening drive. And then I pretty much was off for the night. Um, Listen, I thought he was pretty impressive. He was the same guy we saw in the preseason that played efficient football. Now, here's the kicker. His team stinks. I mean, yeah, I, I have vouched for the Bears a little bit because I thought the interior of their offensive line was underrated. I really like the running back duo. But at the end of the day, he's got nothing to work with in the passing attack. Literally nothing. There were so many drops, bobbles. No one can really make a huge play after the catch out of the receivers and tight ends, it's going to be a tough year for Trubisky. But when you look at just things like ball placement and comfort and mobility, he looks so like such a better fit in this offense than Mike Glennon did. It's crazy that it kind of took this long. I understand Mike Glennon was an investment. So I understand why the front office, you know, probably pushed on the coaching staff that they had to start him. But at least things are trending in the right direction. I, I I thought it was a fine start for Trubisky. I think, listen, that Minnesota defense, I believe they were third. At least the yeah, run defense good. was ranked third coming into the week. So 
This is a really talented defense across all three levels. They have a stout front. They have great edge rushers. They have really good linebackers. Eric Kendricks is one of the most underrated linebackers in football, and they have a great secondary. So that's a tough task for Trubisky, and he didn't fall flat on his face, but he got no help at all. So I saw a lot of the same things. Uh, I will say I liked what Dow Logan's the offense coordinator the offense that he installed for Trubisky is exactly what I would have done. It was like a West Coast spread. A lot of rollouts, cut the field in half. And one of the yep. few tweets I did send was that Trubisky on one play rolled to his right and he had four targets on that one half of the field. So cut the field in half, let him read, you know, high to low. And and then he has the ability, because he's rolling, to use his legs, which we saw him do on the two-point conversion. I thought a lot of his throws were on point. There were a lot of drops and that so if you're looking at the stat line and you're like, God, you guys are, are fucking stupid. He was awful. The stat line looks so much worse than the game did because of drops and and penalties. Oh, my God. The, the penalties that the Bears had last night were just it, some of them were maddening. And the clock management by John Fox was horrible again. And so I really think he's climbing an uphill mountain. And I'm not just saying this because he was my top quarterback. I I. We'll see. If he's bad, we'll tell you he's been bad. But I thought there were a lot of really good things to build off of last night. I, I was happy. I was really worried they were going to ask him to go out there and be a drop back, you know, five step, throw the ball down the field quarterback. And that's not who he is. You know, he is a, a mobile guy. He's a short guy, you know, a short, thick guy. And so getting him outside the pocket on designed roles, designed runs. I would love to see, you know, they they did incorporate some of that run pass option. I would like to see more of that moving forward just because the speed they have with, you know, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard. No clue why Benny Cunningham is in the game as much as he is for the Bears when you have Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. It's uh, unreal. They they at least have some playmakers for him. Um, the lack of receivers is huge. And, you know, Kevin White hurt again. Uh, you know, Cameron Meredith hurt. It's just it's like one guy after another is dropping like flies there. So you know, I, Trey McBride, uh, a player a lot of us did like in uh, in that draft class. I, I thought he made some good plays last night, so that's encouraging. But you know, if Kendall Wright's your number one receiver, you probably got some shit you're dealing with, and I, I think that's where Trubisky's at right now. But overall, I would say a very very encouraging first play for him. Like you said, Monday night against a great defense and a head coach of Mike Zimmer, who's a really really good defensive game planner. So. Uh, I mean, when you look at all that, I think Bears fans maybe finally have something to be excited about at quarterback. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I think you know they are set there going forward. I know it's so early to say that, but just when you look at how we evaluated him to how he looked over summer to all the way to his debut, it to me it's about putting the pieces around him. And it's funny, you know, somebody just tweeted at us about that this exact conversation, uh, Sam Robinson. He said, the Bears need to get Trubisky help at wide receiver. Who'd be best to target in the draft? And at what stage, doesn't it doesn't seem to be the best oh, wide man. receiver class. So I instantly answered that, you know, you got to be aggressive in free agency if you're the Bears, because I understand that you lost, you know, Cameron Meredith. And you, you got to be aggressive, though, in free agency. You lost Alshon Jeffrey. You got to go get a target. Maybe you bring him back. I, I don't know if the relationship's fractured there. And then you look on day two of the draft to kind of, you know, be aggressive there and add one of these guys. He, he needs a lot of help, and it, it's going to take a little while, but at least you're set at running back. I think the offensive line will figure itself out. I, I mean, at least the interior. But, you know, going to another guy that definitely needs help along the offensive line, but is kind of persevering and just keeps this Texans team in every single game. Deshaun Watson 
has just been better each week, it seems like. Yeah, he really has. And it's it's weird and funny how I, I think we make this job too hard sometimes because like Deshaun Watson is who he is. He's not doing anything different. And I, I think, you know, you have to applaud the Texans coaching staff for you know, implementing a scheme that's comfortable for him. You know, he yes, he will have to develop as a pocket passer to have continued success. It's a lot like what we saw with Carson Wentz last year. Like Those spread concepts work for a little while, but you have to stay ahead of the game. So you have to evolve and you have to develop as a quarterback. But for right now, like Deshaun Watson's poise is unreal. There are very few guys who have that poise. And as an athlete, He's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers. You know, he might be closer to like Alex Smith because he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's mobile, but he's not, he's not Michael Vick fast. So it's like, he's, he's good at everything, but then his poise and instincts, I think take him over the top and uh, against a very good Kansas city defense, he was able to, I mean, they scored five touchdowns. So you have to be excited. I hope that this continues because I think the first five games of especially a rookie quarterback, it can be a little bit of fool's gold if they come out red hot. Like you have to keep it up and you have to stay ahead. Once defensive coordinators have film on you, you know, they're going to be breaking you down. They're going to be finding weaknesses. And I, I think for Watson, that weakness right now is deep passing. I mean, he he trusts Nuke Hopkins, which is great. He should trust him. Some of those 50-50 balls are, they're eventually going to get picked. You know, you can't just throw up prayers like he is. But, I mean, I, Deshaun Watson, Kareem Hunt, those have to be, I would think, the top two candidates for offensive rookie of the year. I, I haven't seen anyone else. I mean, like, Fortnite's playing really well. You know, he would probably be in the in the conversation, too. But Watson is just doing everything positive that he did at Clemson. And some of the, some of the negatives from Clemson are there. I mean, he threw 30 picks the last two years. He's making a lot of those same throws, but like Mike Williams kind of did in the Alabama game, like his receivers help him out a ton. And, you know, at some point, maybe we have to say, okay, man, this guy just knows how to put the ball up where his guy can make a play on it. But I, I looked back and I had Watson at QB two, but I actually had an early round two grade on him because I don't, I don't give out 32 first round grades. Um, it, that's kind of a, a long, complicated conversation, but you yeah, know, it really I, is. But I, I think I had him ranked like number 20 overall, somewhere right around there. So I really liked him, but he is playing so much better right now than I ever expected him to be. So, you know, I know six weeks ago, everyone thought Bill O'Brien might get fired in Houston. Like, they might be trying to re, like get him re-signed to an extension because of how good he has this offense looking. If the defense could just stay healthy, man, then then this team looks like they, you know, in a year or two, they might be able to compete for a Super Bowl. It's so fascinating because you look at this team and Matt leading up to the draft and after the draft, all the rumors you and I had heard was that this team wanted Pat Mahomes and they got the rug pulled out from under them yeah. and the Chiefs moved ahead and the Texans were kind of stuck like, hey, we need a quarterback. It was really down to Watson or maybe, you know, Put your you put your job on Tom Savage, and they made the move for Watson, and I think he's exceeded even their own expectations right now. Yeah, and I remember right after the draft, we heard those rumors that Bill O'Brien didn't want Deshaun Watson, which That's right. is complete horseshit. That's not true at all. I, I you know, we've said before, I, I have some really good sources in Houston. 
they were excited about Deshaun Watson. I think they just thought that he was a little more limited athletically than someone like Pat Mahomes. And that's that's true. He is. But poise and football IQ and just how the intangibles of Deshaun Watson are pretty special. And everyone made fun of Dabo Sweeney, the head coach at Clemson, when he compared Watson to Michael Jordan. But man, the poise that like the ability to rise up in pressure situations. There aren't very many guys in the NFL who do that. You know, like, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are the two guys where you never bet against them because anything could happen that they, they, you feel like they could always come back. You know, Rodgers did it last week against Dallas. Brady does it seemingly every week. I don't know that Watson doesn't have that same DNA where as soon as he like gets a little more comfortable, you're not really going to ever be able to count him out because he is just so incredibly calm under pressure and seems to make the biggest plays, you know, when he is facing the biggest obstacles. So very, very excited to see him play, you know, the rest of the year. Let's shift gears there and talk about the Cleveland Browns are <laughs> God damn. Uh, I feel bad laughing because we have, we've turned this show into shit on the Browns and like that's not the point. But we need to shit on other teams. The Giants. Well, we could play winless roulette right now. <laughs> we Out could. of the Browns, Giants, Chargers and Niners, which team do you think has the best chance to not win a game this year? I know your answer, but the give it to the people. Yeah. It's the Browns. Just because I you know what's weird? Kevin Hogan, if he starts the rest of the year, might get them a win or two. I really think so. Because there's just a the timing is so much better with Hogan than it is with Kaiser when it comes to those weapons. And David Njoku is going to be an all pro. Maybe not this year, probably next year. He looks like the man at tight end. So they, a they have enough maker. to work with. Duke Johnson could be a difference maker when given touches. So like the Browns, it's hard. Like I feel so bad for Browns fans because you have to look at this shit of Carson Wentz playing great. Deshaun Watson playing great. Trubisky looked good last night. And you are handcuffed by this inept front office that you know that oh we, we don't we're not ready for a quarterback yet. That is chicken shit drafting. Like if you are continually in the top 5, you have to pick a quarterback. And I understand taking Miles Garrett one. I was leading the charge of that. He is a transcendent player and we saw that on Sunday. He had two sacks in his debut. But in a rotational role. Yeah. That's what's even more eventually, impressive. You got to draft a fucking quarterback. Like you can't just, you're not Seattle. You're not going to luck into Russell Wilson in the third round. And if you remember Seattle, they rolled the dice on Matt Flynn, on Tavares Jackson. Like they tried multiple different ways to find a quarterback. And the Browns, there's this idea that, oh, let's wait until the second round. Let's wait until the third round. We'll take Cody Kessler and Kevin. We'll pick up Kevin Hogan and we'll, we'll draft Deshaun Kaiser. Eventually, you know, you got to shit or get off the pot and you, you can't, cannot keep passing on quarterbacks and then look what happens this year they're probably gonna have the first pick I would have taken Jared Goff and Carson Wentz over any quarterback in this draft and they passed on Wentz now as far as last year's class like I didn't I don't I didn't have a higher grade on Trubisky or Watson or Mahomes than I'll probably have I would think Darnold and Rosen will be right on that playing field but looking at Carson Wentz every week has to make Browns fans just throw up because he is exactly what they needed a hundred percent. I mean, you look at it, it's there's so many problems right now with this strategy because number one, they have failed Hugh Jackson. We talked about that in length last week. And this is gonna get ugly. I, I do yeah. sense a media war will start to brew it's already between uh, yeah, between Jackson and between the front office. And 
when you look at it right now, okay, did they want Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably. Did the Patriots probably ask for too much? Yeah, I mean, Adam Schefter came on this podcast and told us that. Yep. But when it comes down to it, you need a plan B. And there's been no plan B besides stockpile picks. Which, by the way, okay, you got a slam dunk in Miles Garrett. All 32 NFL teams would have made that pick number one overall. It's one of the easiest evaluations ever. David Joku looks like a player at tight end. You know, what else have they really done? And I know they have all, you know, a lot more picks, but the point is you have to get your guy at some point because this is an offense consistently handicapped by not having a quarterback. And you have a coach there that has helped quarterbacks in the past. Look at Andy Dalton without Hugh Jackson right now, what he's become. I don't think this is a Hugh Jackson problem. I think this is a front office problem. Yeah, and another team, because we do spend a lot of time shitting on the Browns, the New York Giants. The the elephant in the room there is that your offensive line is awful. Maybe the worst in the NFL. And it is that way because Jerry Reese doesn't know how to draft. I mean, to take Eric Flowers to the top 10 is laughably bad. It's it's horrible. But they've also just overplayed their hand there. You know, they, they haven't like prioritize the offensive line position. You know, I mean, Weston Rickberg was the second round pick in 2014. 2016, they didn't draft an offensive lineman. And then last year, they went until the sixth round to get uh, the kid from Pitt, uh, Bisnawati. So just the, like the arrogance of, we don't need to draft offensive linemen. And it's the same arrogance that says, we don't need to draft linebackers, even though linebacker is consistently the weakness for the New York Giants and tight ends, destroy them because they don't have linebackers who can cover have they have arguably the best defensive line of football until injuries hit they had a great wide receiver core and they haven't won a football game with a a quarterback who's won two Super Bowls and will probably be a Hall of Famer whether you agree with that or not like he's won two Super Bowls and his last name is Manning he's probably gonna get in he's probably going to the Hall of Fame yeah it's just it's horrible drafting and I know it's easy for us to like sit here in our you know, the protection of our offices and call these guys out for bad drafting. But the Jerry Reese, the GM of the Giants, I don't know why he gets a pass, but he does. And I think it's time for ownership there to say, you know what? We could be so much better than this. And like hitting on Odo Beckham Jr. in 2014 should not excuse the other really bad picks that you've made. Like Landon Collins in the second round in 2015 was a good pick. That's it. Like I, and Eli Apple at 10 was a reach. Eric Flowers at nine was a reach. Evan Ingram at 23 was like getting way too cute. Like, That's way exactly too cute. right. It's getting too cute because look at, you know, Evan Ingram in college flourished from the same spot that Sterling Shepard plays. So yeah. now you're, you're adding a luxury piece with the 23rd overall pick. Why don't you just get a little aggressive and move up for OJ Howard when he starts his landslide, which will help. Yeah, he went at pick 19 or just draft David Njoku. Who is exactly yes. what they needed and is playing like, like I said, playing like an all pro for the Cleveland Browns with nothing at quarterback. And so, after they, you know, they, we, they wanted Jack Conklin in t- two years ago. So you miss on him and you, you see that you have a problem on the offensive line. How do you not in free agency? You don't reach out to look at what Andrew Whitworth has done for the Rams this oh, year man. and their quarterback. Calvin yeah. Beecham. You know, not a really expensive signing by the Jets when you talk about overall long-term money. It's been solid. It's been, I mean, they just did nothing. They were like, we'll f- they'll figure it out. It's arrogant. It's, That's the only thing it, it is. It's exactly arrogant. And he, you know, he hit a home run when he had to in free agency two years ago by buying a defense, and that helped him keep his job. 
and they you know they stuck with Reese and moved on from Coughlin. I, I think the I think the gig is up. I think it's over after that. I'm curious to see if they just clean house or if McAdoo gets a pass. That's what I want to know. Yeah, next. I'm with you there. Um, let's not talk about the Niners because we're going to do that in our fixing. Uh, the team segment. Uh, we're going to have Chris Harris Jr. of the Denver Broncos on as our guest today. I just got that confirmed, so that's why I didn't tell you at the top of the show. He is he is locked in, so we're going to talk to him uh, a little awesome. bit later. Uh, this, the Los Angeles Chargers, I, I don't know how this team is winless. I really don't. Uh, and I know they're banged up. They're always banged up. I would fire the team doctor and trainer like step one. <laughs> if I if they hired me tomorrow, I'm cleaning house on the medical staff because they're the Mets of always the NFL. Hurt. Yeah, yeah, they're the New York who just fired their trainer, Ray Ramirez, who was there for nine years. The Chargers need to do the same. I would say this. The Chargers need to draft a quarterback of the future. And and I'm one of the world's biggest Philip Rivers fans. It's time. It, it's time. Not only is Rivers like frustrated to the point where he's like fucking yelling into his helmet every week and, and throwing shit and having like tantrums on the sideline and on the field. Like, he's getting to the end of it. It's it's shocking that those 2004 quarterbacks Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Eli Manning are all breaking down this year. But it's like they just hit a wall. And so I think the time is now. You know, the Steelers drafted Josh Dobbs. Giants drafted Davis Webb. And they might not be like franchise-changing guys, but they at least are developmental You know, pieces that maybe are the quarterback of the future. There is nothing for the Chargers. And that defense is so impressive, and they can't do a damn thing on offense. So that's my... We'll get into it, you know, when we when we fix the Chargers in a couple weeks. But that's my like plea to them. Like, who cares about your stadium right now? You need a young quarterback. You want to sell the stadium? Just like, draft Josh Rosen. If you have the yep. first pick, problem solved. Yeah, you you need either Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. Take one of the local kids. Start you know marketing this franchise to Los Angeles because that's been a nightmare, an absolute yeah. nightmare. You and have to Sam do Darnold. something would be so great there like my I love Sam Darnold my biggest concern with him is that he doesn't have the arm strength to go to a Cleveland Buffalo you know even like I think the Jets would be okay with that West Coast system but I wouldn't want him to go to the Giants like I think he needs to he's a California kid it's like Jared Goff he needs to be in Southern California or maybe San Francisco because they basically play in Central California now so you don't have the weather and the cold that used to deal with the candlestick but like Darnold to the Chargers or Niners is the absolute best fit for him as a player. All right, so I think it's time we fix the 49ers. Uh, I think it's about that time. Since we just went through the other three winless teams, uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this team. I feel like they shouldn't be winless when it comes down to it. I, I feel like they've played better than that. But from a talent perspective, Kyle needs time to get this team where it needs to be. I yeah, think, without from a doubt. A, from a personnel standpoint. So, Matt, I'm going to make you GM of the Niners. About damn time, right? <laughs> is your first thing, yeah, right, is your first thing uh, on your checklist to go give Kirk Cousins whatever he wants in free agency? Yeah, and, you know, I, I put out that mock draft on Monday, and in it I said, I think Kirk Cousins ends up a 49er. That's not me saying that as a Niners fan. That's me saying it because everyone I talk to in the NFL says it's going to happen. So it's an informed decision. I, right, I would so we'll, go after him. Like, let's we'll just break, say he's a 49er. We'll break this down. So Cousins goes to the Niners. I'll do two routes. First one, Cousins goes to the Niners. Say you're picking second overall. Now you have trade offers 
from multiple teams that want to come up and take a quarterback, or do you stay put and take Saquon Barkley? I would trade back. I really would. And because I think you might even be able to still get Saquon Barkley. Like, let's say the Jets end up with the fifth pick and they want to come up to two to take a quarterback. You trade back to five. Probably a good chance that Barkley's there because I don't think the Giants or Chargers would draft him. So at five, you could probably still get Saquon Barkley. That's right in the area. You know, Zeke and Fournette went four overall. So I would feel pretty good about it. If for some reason you don't, well, Eric Reed, your starting strong safety is a free agent. I don't know that he gets brought back. Derwin James would be there. So I think if or, you trade back or Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I was going to say back, Derwin, or, Derwin or Minka. You're on the clock. Now, I wouldn't trade back 10 spots, but to trade back from two to five, two to six, I would definitely do that because like you said, this is a team that just needs talent. And Aaron Lynch is a free agent. Eric Reed's a free agent. Carlos Hyde is a free agent. I'm not certain I would bring any of those guys back. So whether it's Harold Landry, who fits that stand-up pass rusher role really well, or Saquon, or Derwin James, or Mika Fitzpatrick. There's someone to be had there, and you get to pick up all those future picks when you trade back. So, you know, if if the Jets want to give up, you know, five and both those twos that they have, because they have one from Seattle, to, to move up three spots, hell yeah, I would trade back. All right, I like it. Um... Got him. And you you always say they got to go get a wide receiver in free agency. Yeah, right? have to get a, a true wide receiver one. I think Pierre Garçon's a, a good two. I would, I mean, you could look at someone like Alshon Jeffrey, Jarvis Landry. Allen Robinson is probably going to get franchised in Jacksonville. So I, I think a, a top tier wide receiver is big. You know, the running back position is interesting because uh, Jason Lock and Fora reported over the weekend that they've started contract talks with Carlos Hyde. He also reported Colin Kaepernick's going to stand for the anthem. So take that with a grain of salt. I, I haven't heard that they've started talks with Carlos Hyde. Uh, I, I guess it it is possible, but I would be surprised if Carlos Hyde is brought back. I have gone on record and said loudly, I, there's no way in hell I would re-sign a running back who will be 27 and has never ha- had one healthy season ever. Not not in the NFL. So that's not it, if he wants to sign like a two year deal with no guaranteed money, and if he gets hurt, whatever, okay, but he's not the type of guy you lock up for a four-year, you know, $30 million deal with some guaranteed money. So I I think running back is a big need. Edge rusher is a big need. And then we're going to see that secondary maybe start to have to be rebuilt because Eric Reed is a free agent and Dante Johnson's a free agent. So, and the free safety position, like Joukowsky Tart has played fairly well there. I think he's more of a natural strong safety. So free safety could also be a need. They need another corner opposite Richard Robinson. And they should have like $110 million to spend if they carry all their money over. So they can be incredibly aggressive about going and getting guys who can play right away. Now, I'm going to have you pick here. You're the Niners. You've signed Kirk Cousins. You've obviously done well. You you know, you're going to do well in the draft when you're picking it too. Who would you sign between Alshon Jeffrey, Terrell Pryor, Sammy Watkins, or Devontae Adams? Oh, man. That's tough. I would sign Alshon Jeffrey. Um, yeah, I think Devontae Adams is good, but not a number one. I think Terrell Pryor is incredibly overrated. He is the, yep. he plays so small for how big he is. And Sammy Watkins, I love, I absolutely love. The dude is just broken, though. And I think when you have a history of injuries, it makes me hesitant to give you 
top tier money. And I know Alshon has been banged up a little bit, but but Sammy Watkins is always hurt. So and, and I know he's in a new system this year, but he's not doing anything with the Rams. Like he's he's maybe like the third or fourth option there. So I would look at, at Alshon if that's the route, you know, if those are the okay, those are the top four receivers in free agency we have on our board. Those would be the guys I would go after. I'll say this, man. The receiver class this year in the draft does not look very good. So yeah, I don't I don't know that you can just say, okay, well, we'll take Saquon in the first and in the second. Maybe we'll get Cortland Sutton and boom, like it's fixed. I don't know if it's that easy because the, the receivers, a couple of them could fall to the early second round, but I also don't see them as like plug and play ready guys, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. All right. Well, I think Niners fans will be pretty happy with your plan. I was going to go into the other route if they don't sign Kirk Cousins, what you do, but I think you covered it pretty well. Yeah, then you, know, you draft about Sam Darnold. And, yeah, you know. and you could still pretty much do the same strategy yeah, in really terms is. of getting getting talent. Um, all right, well, we went through the four winless teams. Let's talk about the team that was supposed to be the only winless team, <laughs> and they're 3-2 and two right now. They've beaten some bad teams, but they're playing for first place against New England Sunday. Uh, my New York Jets, I guess we can call it, even though I I don't I didn't really want them to be at this point. But, you know, I keep getting questions from so many fans. And thank you to all the loyal stick to football fans that do listen to this podcast. The, the loyal Jets fans that listen to this podcast. They keep asking me, we're winning too many games. What do we do now that we've played ourselves out of the top quarterback sweepstakes? I have a strong stance here that I formed not too long ago, but it's. It's kind of crazy, but <laughs> I would use Seattle's second round pick on Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. If that pick I is just, like 55 or whatever, I mean. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's right in his range. I As the weeks go on, and I know they lost this week. So, yes, it's an interesting week to talk about it. But that's not the point. Oklahoma lost to Iowa State. I'm just so impressed with the way Mayfield plays. I will admit that. From a player perspective, I was a believer in Johnny Menzel on the field. Obviously, none of that worked because he couldn't get it together off the field. I see a very similar player in Baker Mayfield, and I don't have the off-the-field concerns. I know he's been arrested for public intoxication. Big deal. He went to college. Anybody could have had that happen. It's just wrong place, wrong time. When you look at him on the field... And the Jets, for instance, a team that, you know, they are playing them their way out of the Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold sweepstakes. I, I think this is the time when you have an extra two. You just roll the dice. Why not? You're building a good football team. Jamal Adams and Marcus May are slam dunks right now. They have changed the entire defense. The offense has gotten better, and they don't have many pieces. They lost Quincy and Numa for the year. Jermaine Curse and Austin, Austin Safarian Jenkins have played very nicely. Elijah McGuire was a great find in the sixth round. Brandon Shell, who they traded up for two years ago in the draft, has been great at right tackle. The team is way better than people expected. They're not good yet, but there's slowly a foundation in place that if you can't get the quarterback and you're not willing to trade away your entire draft for Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, which I don't know if they'll even be able to do that. A team would need to be willing to move back, like the Niners, like we just talked about. Yeah. Why not roll the dice on Baker Mayfield at the in the middle of round two with an extra extra second-round pick? I like it, and I will say this. The Jets are 3-2. and two. They may finish 4-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. So don't panic yet. 4-12, and 12, 
might still get you a top three pick. I mean, there are, you know, as we said, there are four winless teams making it difficult, but I like that. Let's say, say they go six and 10 or seven and nine, and, you know, you're picking 12 or 13 in the first round, 12 or 13 in the second. Use that late second from Seattle to go get Baker Mayfield. I actually like that plan a lot. Or you might even be able to trade back into to the third round. So if you're sitting there, you know, Friday night, late second round with Seattle's pick, and you're thinking, man, Baker's probably going to be there at the top of the third. Let's trade back. I like that plan. Now, it takes takes some balls because you have to know that your guy is still going to be there, and it can be very risky, but you are you compared him there a little bit to Johnny Manziel. I, I, I like it because they both are kind of wild cards back there. They can move around, make plays. I, I think that the Baker is so much... He's, he's stronger, you know, physically. He's a thicker dude. But I, I do think he plays better from the pocket than Johnny ever did. You know, Manziel, everything was get out of the pocket, run around, you know, lose 15 yards and throw the ball up in the air to Mike Evans. I think Baker's a much more disciplined quarterback. And it's going to be it's gonna be great because I will actually see him live this coming weekend at the Texas OU game. So I'll, I'll get a nice feel for arm strength, how fast he is in person, you know, more, more of a look at how he is built. But I, I don't hate it, man. It's... And it is, it's one of those, it's almost like a worst case scenario situation. You know, if they do win too many games to, to be able to move up, to get a a quarterback, or maybe they luck into one, but it's, it's crazy. All summer, we talked about the Jets are tanking, the Jets are tanking, and they're tied for first place in the FC East right now. I know it's, it's kind of crazy when you look at it and let's be real. We said it over summer, the second half of their schedule is a nightmare for them. This is a team yes. that's going to lose a lot of football games. But at least the young players are winning them some games now, and there's some promise for the future, but it is it was time to talk about what's the Jets' plan B. So that's the one I have for everyone right now. We got a long ways to go. Yeah, we do. Uh, it, you know, and we also have still more to talk about in this long opening segment of Stick to Football. We have to talk about our college players to know this week. We can't take a break until we get to that. Yeah, no, two good ones. And and it's crazy. We don't talk about this before the show. You know, we just, we make our picks and we both went big 12 this week. I went to Sean Elliott, the free safety from Texas. He was a midseason All-American. That defense, you know, we joke about the big 12. No one plays defense. Deshaun Elliott has been a, a bright spot on that squad. Uh, great range. I think he's been aggressive in coverage, playing over the top. He can come down and mix it up. Covering slot guys, uh, he, he's been very good against the run. So, and this is you know, like as a Texas fan, obviously you know I've been watching Deshaun Elliott for a few years, but the junior safety, I don't know that he'll come out this year. It's way too early to say if he should, but he he looks like a stud right now. Just the the range, the way that he plays the game. If you're watching Saturday against OU, I think we'll probably see him. Try to shut down Mark Andrews, the big tight end for Oklahoma. So number four for Texas is my guy to watch this week. And I went with a very interesting player, a player that a lot of people forgot about for a long time, David Sills at West Virginia, who you might not recognize the name, but you'll recognize the story. He was the 13-year-old many years ago. He's now 21. That Lane Kiffin offered to play at USC when he was 13 years old. And obviously quarterback did not work out for him. You know, he obviously did not end up going to USC or playing for Lane Kiffin, went to West Virginia, couldn't get it together at quarterback, went to junior college to try to rediscover his quarterbacking skills, still didn't work out for him, has returned to West Virginia 
and is now the nation leader for receiving touchdowns. He's moved to wide receiver. He's six foot four, two hundred plus pounds, and it's kind of crazy. I don't know where he projects right now because this change and success of this change has come so fast. But he's just been a red zone machine at the switch to wide receiver for West Virginia after such a mysterious, interesting career at quarterback for so long. It's fascinating. He, I mean, he was a name you probably forgot about, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, he was the 14-year-old that Lane Kiffin offered a quarterback. And at the time, I just remember it being a huge story and being like, man, I, if this kid pans out, it's going to be the craziest thing ever. And What's weird, he has panned out. It's just at receiver. So over the summer, when I started talking to contacts about, oh, who do I need to watch at West Virginia? They kept saying, man, there's this kid at receiver, and you're going to remember his name once we tell you, but think of him as a receiver and kind of come into it with an open mind. And and he is like, he's one of my favorite receivers in this year's class because he's the, the intelligence that made him a good quarterback prospect in high school has carried over to receiver. He is a good athlete. He definitely has the body type. You know, to win those 50-50 balls, to be He's a threat down the field. He's got long arms. Long, yes. yeah, very long arms. So uh, I'm excited, man. I, I hope we get a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl because it's he is a fun player, and that offense is a blast to watch. It's not yeah, always, we'll, like, it doesn't always translate, but getting to see him in person is going to be good. Yeah, and we'll have to talk about Will Greer eventually. We've gone through so yeah, we'll many get quarterbacks there. this week that yeah. we'll get into that. I know that's exactly what people are thinking as they listen to this, but what about Will Greer? He's been very good, and we will get into that. But we do need to take a break, and then we're going to have Chris Harris on from the Denver Broncos, one of my favorite corners in the NFL. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are uh, excited to be joined by one of my favorite players in the NFL, Chris Harris Jr., cornerback for the Denver Broncos. And... One of my first big draft misses, but everyone missed on you, Chris, coming out of Kansas. You were yeah. in my backyard, and I missed on you, though, so it's embarrassing. Oh, it's all good, man. Uh, I'm just glad everybody accepted <laughs> it was a miss, and uh, I just try to um, be consistent every year. The Denver Broncos, you know, like when when we were all growing up, it was all about offense. You know, it was John Elway and Terrell Davis and Rod Smith and those guys, Shannon Sharp, but and then kind of went to the Peyton Manning years where, you know, it was maybe a little more balanced, but now like you guys are kind of known for your defense right now. And how yeah. would you say that this year compares to these, the teams that you've been on since you were drafted or yeah. since you were signed as a free agent? Oh man, this is, uh, y'all always try to compare to our best defense and that was 2015. And uh, right now I feel like we're right. We're, we're coming, we're getting close to that point. Uh, um, I think once we start getting the more turnovers and uh, get our pass defense back to uh, number one, uh, I think we're going to be right there at that same level. So obviously, Chris is a Super Bowl champion. And, you know, in a year that was kind of interesting at quarterback for you guys, because obviously Osweiler played and, you know, Peyton got you the trophy. Now with Trevor at quarterback, what do you see in him after already seeing what it takes to win a Super Bowl that makes you believe he can get you guys back there. Well, he can make all the throws, man. He's very smart, intelligent. He's pretty. He's doing a pretty good job of putting us in the right play, and uh, I think that's all we need. I think once we we can cut down on our turnovers a little bit, um, learn how to finish games stronger. Because a lot of times we have teams handily beat, but we kind of let them stick around. So I think if we can uh, get that killer instinct 
uh, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be tough to beat. Now I have to go off script here because Connor said that that Peyton got you guys the trophy. Come on, everybody watching knows that you guys got Peyton that trophy. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. That's did, true. He, did he send you all like you know he's big on those handwritten notes? Did he like send one to each of you? Like, yeah. Thank you for carrying my ass to the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> oh man, Peyton, man, Peyton was just he always told us, man, he had all the confidence in us, and as long as we, uh, as long as he just said, I'm gonna try to keep the turnovers down. But I mean, we had high turnovers that year anyway, so. <laughs> But uh, it's just all about uh, being able to be great on defense. We knew we had to be better than other teams' defense week in and week out, and uh, I think that's what really prepared us. So finally, the NFL is allowing touchdown celebrations again. Do you have anything scripted or anything ready to go when you find your way into the end zone on a pick six? No, I haven't, man. I need to, though. I need to come up with something. I've been seeing – I've seen the duck, duck, goose. I thought that was a good one. That was I might good. try to ask my – uh. My daughter's for something. Try to come up with a plan. You guys could play like Red Rover or something in the end zone. You know, if you want to keep yeah. it, keep it PG thirteen, you could do it that way. Or as a Kansas guy, I mean, you could wave the wheat. I guess that's not real exciting, though. <laughs> uh, I might. Uh, I'm on. We need to find another game. Something the Red Rover might be pretty good, so we need to find something. I'm gonna. I'll be on Twitter taking credit for that if it happens. So I'm gonna be watching. So like we we mentioned at the top, you you went undrafted out of Kansas in what 2010? Is that right? 2011. 11. 2011. And yeah. And now you're one of the best corners in the NFL. So how satisfying is it? Or are you kind of over that? You know, to go from hey man, nobody wants me. Like you didn't get a Senior Bowl invite. You didn't get a Combine invite. Like you you flew way under the radar. And now you're kind of at the, yeah. the top of that mountain. So how gratifying is that for you? Or, or do you even yeah. think about it anymore? Oh, yeah, I definitely think about it. Uh, I think somebody tweeted me today. I'm pl- this is my 100th game uh, playing in the NFL coming up wow. this weekend. I mean, that's a huge, I mean, that's a huge uh, uh, accolade for me, even though it's not like a true accolade. But uh, just to be able to uh, come from where I came from, the obstacles I had to go through, and uh, – so it still motivates me, man. Uh, people are still waiting for me to fall off, and uh, that's why I try to continue to uh, work hard each offseason and come back even better. So many you know, players have such different thoughts on pro football focus, whether it's the grades or whether the data they track. You have kind of been one of the guys that is consistently always a top-graded player, even early in your career, before the contract extension, before the All-Pro, before the Super Bowl. They were the ones saying Chris Harris Jr. is one of, if not the best cover corner in the NFL. So how do you, how do you look at pro football focus being one of the rare guys that's always in the positive light of it? I uh, mean, that's, it's pretty much other than our, co- our coaches. It's the only other thing to get our real grades on. So, uh, I like it. Uh, I think it's a good, yeah, sometimes they, they might not understand what coverages we're doing and, and the things that we're doing in coverage and they might make a mistake on that, but, uh, I think it's fairly um, a, a good judge of everybody in the league of where of, of where you need to be. So I kind of use it as um, a base of if I need to make more plays, how I'm playing this year, and other than outside of what my coaches say. So you you said something about ratings there. You were the top rated corner in Madden when it came out. So that that has to mean a lot, right? Yeah. To be, I think you and Akib were both your team at Akib Talib. Oh, yeah. You guys were, were tied at ninety four. How much, like, do you just talk so much trash to everyone else that, you know, yeah. you're this undrafted corner from Kansas and now you're the top corner in Madden? 
Um, yeah, man, that was a huge deal. And, uh, I mean, that's something I'll, I'll try to get every year. You try to get that every year. And, uh, uh, everybody grew up playing Madden, man. You always want to be the one of the best players on, on the Madden. So, uh, I'm trying to be Vaughn, man. I'm tired of him getting these 99 ratings. <laughs> Good luck there, man. Good. Yeah. They, they like, they like that one. I'm sure you get this one all the time, but this year specifically, who's been the toughest guy to cover or at least the most surprising to you? Oh, man, this year, man, we seen uh, Cooper. We didn't get to see Crabtree. Um, I would say Keenan Allen probably. He's probably been the best receiver uh, that we faced so far. And uh, we still got a lot left, man. I was I was looking forward to playing Odell this week and Shepard. And uh, fortunately, they went down. But we still got a lot of big-time uh, quarterbacks and receivers to play, though. So uh, uh, I'm looking forward to all those guys. So the last like real question before we get to we 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 end every interview with five questions we call it the gauntlet and we ask everyone this but the last thing I want to ask uh, just being someone that you know like Connor and I watch a ton of game film and you know I used to do a lot more NFL stuff with the the NFL one thousand thing and you always stood out as one of if not the best tackling corner in the NFL and you're not the biggest guy in the world so is that just a mentality where you're just like this is my side of the field and I'm going to own it or what what goes Oh yeah, mind with that, man. I try to give up no yak, man. That's my <laughs> that's kind of my motto, no yak, and uh, try to get guys down as soon as possible. I think uh, a lot of guys in the league they they always go for the big hits, and I think that's what leads them to a lot of missed tackles. And me, I just try to get the guy down, and uh, that's pretty much been working for me. It's been able to keep me healthy, keep me on the field, and uh, that's that's kind of been my motto on tackling just. Whatever way I can get them down, get them down. All right. So one thing we do, we do ask every guest. It's called the Gauntlet. Five questions. The first one: If you're a beer drinker, what's your favorite beer? Oh man, Bud Light. I had to go with Bud Light. Nice. You're, you're keeping it frugal <laughs> with the yeah. with the Bud Light. That's that's good. That's that you're like sticking to your Midwest roots with that one though. So like we we know you're a, a real Oklahoma Kansas guy if you're yeah <laughs> you drink a Bud Light. Um, all right. So the second question, uh, what's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? Oh man. Uh, it probably been after a bad game or, or something like I suck or whatever. You can't cover anybody, but, uh, I don't get those too often though. So, uh, I think it's, I think it probably after, um, after I played the Steelers, uh, my 2015, I think that was probably the biggest gripe and I got. Yeah, you're one of the uni- like universally loved defensive backs. Like, there's really little debate with you. So, number three, what's the one game that none of your friends can beat you at? Whether it's Madden, FIFA, you know, any yard games, or even like golf or anything. Man, two K, man, we were very competitive on two K. Oh, we got to get you and Tony Jefferson to play then. That's true. He claims he's he claims he's the greatest player in the world, not just. In the I NFL. have played with Tony Jefferson <laughs> before. I have. Wait, who won? Does he live up to the hype? Nah, he. he I don't think so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we don't don't tell him that we're gonna get a fight yeah. started here between the the Broncos and the Ravens with <laughs> with the two K battle. That's my boy, though. That's my boy. So, on a deserted island, who's your dream person to be stranded with? Oh, deserted island, dream person. And I should say, like, you can't say your like wife or, or kids or like it's. Should I creative. say uh, Rihanna? Okay, oh, that's there a we good go. Choice. That's a good choice. Yeah. It's a good way to go out. Uh, the, all right, the last question. Uh, we ask everyone this. We've been tallying it up. 
On a hot dog, do you put ketchup or mustard on your hot dog? Ketchup. Oh, nice. Man. So one. we had it like Connor's team ketchup, I'm team mustard. And I think like the first 10 guests all went ketchup and I was getting, I was getting a little pissed off. I <laughs> oh, mean, if I ate a corn dog, corn dog, definitely uh mustard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you, being nice and political, you're playing it right down the middle. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I would be, I'd be upset if we didn't ask you, have you watched Dorrance Armstrong yet this year? Have you seen uh, at Kansas that? Oh yeah. He, oh man, I watch every game, man. That's that's dedication. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah. So it's what, hard though. It's been hard though, but I watch him. What do you think of him? Does he he looks yeah. he looks like the real deal? Man, uh, it's hard for him to make plays. Man, teams are they're doing a lot of sprint outs. He's getting double teamed. Uh, they run away from him, and so it's hard for him to make a lot of plays like he did last year. He's not sneaking up on anybody. So I think he has r- real raw talent. Um, I think he'll have a better NFL career than he does in college. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And we'll have to figure something out, man. That no, November 11th, Kansas versus Texas game. We'll have to have like a, a little dinner bet or something on that one since you all beat us last year. Oh, yeah. Hey, I mean, we do we do pretty solid versus Texas and TCU. I don't, I don't know so. what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Those two teams, man, uh, I guess they don't they don't come to play when they see us. It, it was something watching yeah. the – Watching the goalposts get tore down when uh when Kansas beat Texas last year. So, man, thank you for your time. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, and uh, you know keep it up. Maybe that Madden rating will get up there to ninety nine. Who knows? Oh yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. This is fun. All right, what's up, everybody? That was Chris Harris Jr. Uh, big thanks to him and to the Denver Broncos for giving us some time. Know their their life is crazy coming off the bye, but always good to talk to him. Uh, let's close this thing out like we always do with a little draft on draft. That's where we answer your questions that you send in on iTunes or on Twitter. And to do that, we have to bring in our kick-ass intern, Kennedy. And our, wait, we have to update it because I know people hear this every week. Are you still the best college volleyball player in the country? Okay, wow. Let's let's not take it that far. That's really far. But um, I'm number one currently still in so yes in, in assists in total assists yes i don't know how long that's going to stay for we'll see did you guys beat north dakota yeah thank god <laughs> well that's see, and you so, didn't have to go there thank god yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> Gra- no grand forks is beautiful uh, it's really pretty i just the traveling there is so awful but no yeah we beat north dakota so now we're six known conference pretty nice you guys are like the kansas city chiefs of the yeah. big sky conference yeah we so. actually are <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, let's talk football. Uh, you got some good questions for us this week. Yeah. Anthony Mongaluzzo sends us in great questions every week. This one this week is, as the league pushes players to be NFL ready from day one, do you feel like this has forced NFL teams to dummy down schemes and playbooks in an effort to compensate for the lack of readiness in these college players? I think, yeah, a little bit. And we kind of talked about this earlier, maybe not this specific, but like saying that it dummies it down might be unfair, but you know, you see concepts like, you know, Deshaun Watson is running a, an offense in Houston, very similar to what he did at Clemson. And Mitch Trubisky on Monday night football is running a, a like a West coast spread that is similar to North Carolina. And it, you know, probably most famously when Robert Griffin was drafted by Washington, the Shanahan's put in a Baylor offense or, you know, Jim Harbaugh put in the Nevada offense for Colin Kaepernick and, the Chiefs, when they traded for Alex Smith, hired uh, Chris Alt, his old college court, uh, 
college head coach or no coordinator uh, to to put in some of those scheme systems. So I, I think that yes, but the the key is you got to stay ahead of the game. So you have to keep getting better to where you can play from the pocket and win there if you're really going to become a top quarterback. Yeah, at quarterback, I think you nailed it, Matt. It, you know, it's a little different. Now, in terms of other positions, it also depends on the player. I mean, when you look at the Jets drafting Jamal Adams and Marcus May, they haven't dumbed it down for those guys. Those guys aren't just sitting in cover two. They're doing a lot of different things. Adams plays linebacker, yeah. corner, you know, along the edge. May has been, played single high and done a lot of different things. So it depends on the players you draft, obviously. I mean, we saw, you know, the Browns kind of keep it simple for Miles Garrett this weekend for good reason. He's coming back from injury. They put him in a rotational pass rusher role and just kind of said, you know, pin your ears back and go get the quarterback, in which, of course, he did. So it's really player-specific, but I do think as we see 21-year-old rookies consistently starting – you do want to tailor, you know, you want to maximize their traits right away. And good coaches will always do that. Garvey Jones on iTunes asked, what is your opinion of Will Greer? Could he work his way oh. up into the first round conversation? <laughs> we were just talking we about just ended, we just ended. We ended. Yeah, we ended the first segment saying that we weren't going to talk about him just yet because we talked about so many quarterbacks. But Garvey here snuck in a Will Greer question, which I like. First round might be a little rich for me right now. Yeah. I, I would like yeah. to see more. I would like to know, you know, just overall IQ. Obviously, the West Virginia offense, I think, has been pretty simple for him, and he's dominated uh, or thrived in it so far. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but physically, I think he's fine. He definitely is an NFL quarterback prospect. I, I do like what I've seen. I think he has a great arm. I think he can move a little bit. He's super tough. Working his way into the first-round conversa- conversation, I'll never say no to that. Is he a first-round player right now? No, not right now. He's got a little bit of a ways to go. Yeah, Connor, when I look at Greer, I see a really good athlete who you know obviously has some things in his past that are going to have to be vetted pretty heavily by NFL teams. But I haven't seen him making a lot of the throws you know, a big thing is throws from the pocket. And I, I think that's where he has to still prove himself. So I'm not ready to say that. I definitely wouldn't say he's a first round pick. Um, as far as like a round grade, gosh, I would say he's probably a late rounder. I mean, he's small as well. So, you know, he was suspended for a year, I think it was. And he is a smaller guy. I, I think that those are like two negatives in his scouting report that, you know, you really got to overcome. And he is only a redshirt junior, so he's not even, I mean, he might he might not even be in this draft class, uh, even though he is kind of an older prospect at this point. Do you guys think what happened to him at Florida raises any red flags as a prospect? You have to be like aware of it. And you have to like, that's why area scouts are so important because their job is to go in there to Gainesville and, and find out, hey, what, what happened with this kid? And then you go to West Virginia and talk to the coaches and the trainers and the teachers and teammates and say okay who is he now versus who he was then but yeah anytime you have a, a, a where you were suspended by the NCAA for a year and you know basically kicked out of a program I, that is I mean that's a huge negative so even you know maybe he's had like a, a turnaround and you know I know he's married and is a father now and, and so you hope that he's kind of you know rehabilitated his life but it is always going to be something that that gets brought up yeah and kicked out of a program that it's, you know it's pretty hard to do. Let's just say that. And I know, I know. At the time, they said it was like an over-the-counter supplement. I don't it, know. Yeah, it, it was weird. Did I know Bleacher Report came out with a huge article about it because he had just been taking like Gatorade, you know, the Gatorade protein stuff, and then yeah, 
Yeah, he just, it was a really weird thing. I They did like a 10 page article about it. Yeah. And, and I remember, yeah, it was something he added like 40 pounds of muscle. Yeah. It was, you know, it was something, a lot. Something ridiculous like that. So, so there's only one way to do like, that that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like one of those things, you know, it's not like a, you know, like when Tyron Matthew got kicked out of LSU, it's not like that, you know, where he's got like duffel bags of weed in his house or anything. <laughs> it's, it's a different, it's a different situation, but it's still a red flag. Yeah. Okay. Taken, please pick another from iTunes asked since Penn state plays in the shotgun, are there any concerns that Saquon might not translate well to handoffs from a QB under center? Uh, that's easy. So. No, Bar- Barkley will be fine. Yeah. yeah. yeah Barkley I mean, will be okay. If you watch an NFL game, I would guess guys are in the shotgun 75% of the time, probably shotgun or pistol, you know, some form. So I, I don't think it, I don't think that matters. And so what I always look for when it is a running back who's, you know, in a, a setup like that in a shotgun or a pistol all the time is how quickly does he accelerate? Because you have to have, I think, a little better burst than if you're in a traditional single back or eye back where, you know, you have two to three yards to build up a, a full head of steam. And I think Saquon is explosive enough from a standstill position that it's not going to be a factor for him. Chris Lamanti on iTunes asked, when evaluating quarterbacks at the college level, what program develops the best quarterbacks for the next level? Damn, Connor, you want to take that one first? That's a fun one. <laughs> it's it's pretty tough because, like, where is the consistency? Are there coaches that I, I think, you know, might be better than others at developing quarterbacks, I guess, but from a program standpoint, there's so much, you know, movement in college football yeah. that I don't know if, if there's really a true answer for that. I, I thought that you know, I feel like people would say like, oh, the you know, Stanford's offense guys come out, you know, obviously luck is Andrew Luck, but even we've seen some good from Kevin Hogan. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say there's, you know, a program that I would be willing to draft a quarterback from. I will say that about defensive backs, linebackers, but not quarterback for me, at least personally. So I would say that as far as just getting guys drafted, it's Jimbo Fisher. Because whether it was Jamarcus Russell, LSU, or EJ Manuel, Jameis Winston, Florida State, he gets quarterbacks drafted and can get them drafted very highly. Now, as far as success in the NFL, it's kind of, you know, it's yet to be seen. You know, Jameis Winston looks really good. He's still turning the ball over a lot, but obviously Russell didn't work out. EJ Manuel's not very good. So if you want to look at a guy who you feel, okay, if he has a if he has a quarterback with some traits, he can get him drafted in the first round then I, I think that he's definitely up there. Jimbo Fisher would be, you know, Debo at Clemson. I, I know Tosh Boyd didn't pan out, but, you know, you have Deshaun Watson and now you have, you know, Kelly Bryant, who looks like he's going to be a pretty good dude in a couple of years. That might be one, maybe the, the new yeah, they were, wave. They recruited Trevor Lawrence. So he's supposed to be like the next big thing as well. So Clemson just keeps him coming right now. Yeah. Guys, you're just going to deny USC like that? Think about how many quarterbacks they've sent. <laughs> I That's almost true. said it, but I have, I have, uh, you know, Mark Sanchez, yeah. you know, fear and lo- I have lots of USC fear. So <laughs> I decided quarterbacks, not to. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of your Jets, Connor, Jimmy Loftus asked with the Jets on pace to land a mid round pick, is Lamar Jackson an option in the first or should they look for the best player available? Uh, he is an option yes because I think he will be sitting there in the middle of the first round knowing what I know about you know the New York Jets right now I would be very or really any NFL team I think 
it would just be a big surprise if Lamar Jackson goes, you know, early where the Jets will be picking that top 10, top 15 range. Um, so, Connor, I mean, yes, it's an nice. option. You're being no, it's way an option. Nice. I just, here's the thing. They're not, it, I don't ever see, it would shock me. If you followed the Jets last three years of drafting, like the first round pick, I know Darren Lee has had his struggles and was raw, but the two times they had a top 10 pick under Mike McCagnan, they took two of the safest players in the draft. So now they're going to flip a switch and take one of the, you know, hot, huge upside riskiest players who, by the way, did not have a good week. And I know it's just, it's hard to nitpick one week, but the Jets need a impact safe pick at quarterback. And I, I don't feel that way about Lamar Jackson right now. So I, I don't think that would happen. Okay, I'm going to be the asshole in the podcast and say there is no fucking way that Lamar Jackson is the first-round pick of the New York Jets. I will... Jimmy Loftus can take my job as co-host of Stick to Football if that happens. There's no way. And I don't think Lamar Jackson's a first-round quarterback. I'm not even sure he's a second-round quarterback. I think he's a great college quarterback who has serious flaws projecting to the next level. He's one of my favorite players to watch on Saturday. As far as a Sunday quarterback, I do think he'll be drafted as a quarterback. I know some people have suggested maybe he'd change positions. I think he'll get a shot at quarterback. I just don't think he's a very good one. Um, it, so it's the second week of October, and I'm getting I'm getting Jets quarterback fatigue from this draft class. And for the yeah, 2018 I have draft Lamar class, Jackson fatigue. I have so, Lamar Jackson fatigue, but I earlier in the show. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have made it through the whole thing, but I talked about my day two plan for the Jets. Team Baker, so I'm not going to stray from that. And to be, give you a simple answer, no, I, I don't see it happening for Lamar Jackson and the Jets. <laughs> we have like our, our Jekyll and Hyde personalities on the show today. Yes, <laughs> that's so true. Okay, TSB22 on iTunes asked, Cowboys don't look strong enough this year to make a Super Bowl run. So should they consider tanking and try to get a player like Fitzpatrick, Darwin, Wilkins to strengthen their defense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how you can convince 45 players on Sundays to, yeah. you know, you look at like you, Let's the NFL take, can't guys. get the players united to do anything. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to stay in the locker rooms this weekend. Guys are out, you know. Stand up for the national anthem, or oh, we're gonna kneel this week. No, we can't. Even, like they can't even get together to link arms. You think they're gonna get together to like to tank? I don't think you can. And I'm I'm sorry that it's we're laughing at this question, but it it's not gonna happen. And that division is bad enough that the Cowboys could still make a playoff run. I I really believe it. I know Philly looked good last week, but the Cardinals are really really bad. So I don't know if that's really who they are. I mean, the Giants haven't won a game. I think Dallas is better than Washington. Um, you know, especially. You know, once they that defense is still young, they're still kind of figuring things out together. Um, I wouldn't write Dallas off just yet. Um, you know, maybe and like listen, they played Green Bay really, really well, and Green Bay is probably the best team in the NFC, and they were right there with them until you know, the last minute when Aaron Rodgers went off. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on the Cowboys just yet. No, the Cowboys definitely shouldn't be looking. I was laughing at the word tanking yeah. associated <laughs> with the two and the two and three, two and three Dallas Cowboys, who they seem like an eight or nine win kind of team this year. Uh, and they're not going to tank. And anyways, like I, I like Minsa, Minka Fitz, Fitzpatrick and Derwin James and Christian Wilkins, but like they're not guys you're tanking for. They're not Miles Garrett. Like you look at Miles Garrett and you're like, damn, like this dude could be our Von Miller type of dude. Like those are nice players, but you're not giving up on a season after five games for that. So no, Dallas, settle down. 
it'll be okay. It's gonna yeah, get better. I think. I hope it. I think it's gonna get better. I, I'm trying to follow the Ezekiel Elliott case, and I've just completely given up. But um, there's gonna be good defenders wherever they pick in the first round, and me and Matt are gonna find them for you. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ABC Desposito asked, "What should the Bears do in the draft slash free agency to build around Trubisky and Howard?" Oh, you yeah, should go back and listen this. to the first yeah. 15 minutes of this podcast because I think we talked about it for about 10 <laughs> we, minutes. We did, yeah. We I went mean, really long on that entire thing. I usually don't dodge questions, but that well, was a big part of today's show. ABC yeah, Desposito, your question has already been answered. And you don't have to wait till the end of the show to hear the answer. Yeah. So, congrats. Last question of the day from New York Giants fan 55 on iTunes. Could Davis Webb be a decent starter with Barkley in the backfield? Ooh, I like it. I really I'm, do. Yeah, uh, I'm not a I'm not a Davis Webb guy. I'll just get not? that off the top. I, I'm okay, not. I, I never have been. Um, I like when me and Matt disagree once in a while. It's good. I, I think he's not the future there. I like the giant strategy of taking him in the fourth round and saying we're gonna sit, we're gonna basically Christian Hackenberg you for a year and Ooh. you're not gonna play. <laughs> um, I, I just don't see it with him. I thought he was kind of a statue. We watched him, you know, close in Mobile. He's, you know, kind of a long windup and just kind of clunky feet. I, I wasn't a Davis Webb fan, so maybe he'll prove me wrong. But I think the Giants, the winless New York Giants, should be start. They should start to think about, um, you know, picking at the top of the draft one of these quarterbacks. It's getting to that point. So I like Webb. I don't. I don't think that he's he's never going to be like a top ten NFL quarterback. I don't think, but. I think in the right system, he could be a good quarterback. You know, if it's like a a Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton situation where you have a good scheme around him and he has some playmakers, I, I do think he could be serviceable. He could be good. Now, going from number one pick Eli Manning to third round developmental Davis Webb is a, a tough pill to swallow. But if you like if I could get Saquon Barkley in the first and someone like Trey Adams, the tackle from Washington in the second and, you know, and then get a linebacker in the third and have Davis Webb at quarterback, I would feel pretty good about that moving forward as, you know, like, get, listen, getting Josh Rosen number one overall, if the Giants can do that, they should. But if they end up picking fifth or, you know, fourth or fifth and Saquon's a realistic option, I would at least see what you have in Davis Webb. Um, everything I liked about him was more, you know, he is a, he is kind of a statue. Um, thought he had a pretty decent arm, pretty, like his pocket movement wasn't as bad as you would expect for a guy who's who isn't, you know, super athletic, but, Everyone I talked to raved about his football IQ and leadership skills. So those are the kinds of things that make me think that you know, like maybe he is he, he's going to be smart enough to make up for where he's you know lacks athletically. And I do want to get off the top. I know we we grouped the Giants and Chargers and Niners and Browns together earlier. Obviously, the Chargers did get a win this weekend. Ooh, um, I think we win. called them. I think we called them. We called oh, them we did, the winless yeah. group. We we called them the winless group, but um, the Chargers do have a win. But let's be real, the, we have to group those teams together because they are going to be they're going to be doing some quarterback searching. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And I do think Davis Webb, you know, to bring Davis Webb back into it, he's going to have his chance. There's no doubt about that. But the point is, I don't, you know, something Matt always talks about all the time is you don't pass on the chance to get a top quarterback just because you have a maybe waiting in the wings. Yeah, that's very you need true. it definitely. Yeah, uh, before we uh, close the show out, there's something going on this weekend that affects two of our three members in this group pretty heavily. So Beat Texas. That's all I have to say. Oh, my God. I am, <laughs> I am terrified of Baker Mayfield after Iowa State 
planted the flag and did the who's your daddy. Yeah, he's going to go off so, this week. I'm a Texas fan. Kennedy's an Oklahoma fan. I'm driving down to the the Red River rivalry slash showdown slash shootout, whatever they call it these days. God. Yeah, and I'm I'm li- I'm literally afraid of of what's going to happen. You should be. But I feel like because this is how we do things on the show, we need to we need to have like a friendly bet on this game. Ooh, yes, we do need to have a friendly bet. All right. I'm not sure. People, that should be the iTunes. Yes, uh, please. This send week, it. people need to leave leave your your bet suggestions for Kennedy and I, and and I'll look at them like Friday night or Saturday morning, and we'll we'll figure out terms of this and update everyone next week. But I don't feel good, good. betting on you my shouldn't. Longhorns. So I should get odds, you know, like. I don't know what the odds would be, but I should get some kind of, you know, like, you have to do five times as many whatever awful things that we have to do in this bet, so. Boomer Sooner, Matt. It's nice to not, it's nice to not be involved for once, because now I have no worries and can just enjoy. You can be lucky you, well, I can just enjoy watching, watching Baker Mayfield <laughs> light it up, because now I'm, I am fully Team Baker, so. Yeah, and I am too, that's what makes Future it hard. New York uh, Jet. Yeah, an update on another bet we told you about a couple weeks ago, my... My bet with my friends on the Chiefs, uh, over under 10 wins. They are now at 5-0. and So they only have to win, what, five of their next 11 games. So I feel really, really good about that bet at this point. You're going to win. I-, I hope so. I need oh, that's to win. Lo- I need that's locked to in. Yeah, that's win. locked in. For sure. All right. That's our show this week. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to bring our buddy Mello back to break down that Texas-Oklahoma game. Hopefully, he's not you know, too hungover and heartbroken uh, after what I expect is going to be a pretty rough weekend. Hopefully we'll be surprised. (laughs) Yeah, expect both. Expect both. It is going to be fun. Uh, It's always a great time when we're out on the road. So uh, for Connor, for Kennedy, thanks for hanging out with us again this week.